0: WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide, and the tough questions get asked and answered.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This week, an interview you'll only see right here on WCNC Charlotte. One-on-one with Senator Tom Tillis. Recently, he revealed a prostate cancer diagnosis. Even though it's considered a, a very treatable cancer, it can still be deadly. Every 15 minutes, a man in America dies from it. He claimed the life of my dad last fall. A few weeks ago, Senator Tillis had surgery and now he's already back to work. We chatted about the disease, treatment options and stopping the stigma surrounding prostate cancer. First and foremost, how are you feeling? feel great. Um, Came out of surgery
2: with the typical post-operative challenges, but that lasted for about a week. And then I got a great pathology report from my urologist that looks like we're we're in good shape going forward.
1: Um, Back at work already?
2: Full schedule last week in DC, full schedule this week, uh, actually through the weekend. So this is a seven day week for me. And uh, back to a normal routine, I'm not able to be active. That's the thing that's killing me. I'm not gonna be able to be on a mountain bike for probably two months. And uh, I am hiking, I got six miles in yesterday. So probably nice. more than my doctor
1: advised, but. Hey, <laughs> that's better than most of us, so please. Um, in your initial statement, uh, you, you talked about early detection and, and you said, uh, never imagined that I even had cancer. How much of a surprise was this for you?
2: It was a surprise. I, I, I do my annual physical and went in last uh, October, and usually I look forward to the physical because it, uh, my wife always tells me I need to eat less meat or something, and so she always worries about cholesterol, the blood counts, yep. comes back in the 98th percentile, everything's checking off, got a. Uh, cardiac, CT scan, yeah. zero plaque for a 60-year-old. That's pretty good news. And so checking down the list. You're he's feeling, feeling good. pretty good about he's it. Good, feeling good. Then he gets to the PSA test and said that it was almost twice uh, what it was four years ago. Uh, so it had gone up from 2.75 to 4 and now 6.5. He said probably still nothing at age 60. That's, that's not a... Uh, alarm bell but we had to look into it then i went to the uh, urologist got another psa test got the biopsy and found that i had cancer in half of the prostate gland
1: from what i understand psa is somewhat relative to a person that's why they measure it over time to see how much it changes
2: that's right it can go up and down different things If people are taking uh, human growth hormones testosterone supplements it can elevate your psa uh... but testosterone is what they call the jet fuel of prostate cancer it's what causes it to spread and then through the the uh, surgery that i had it reduces that i've got a psa test a follow-up scheduled for about two weeks and i'm hopeful that it's going to be down to the almost undetectable level that's frequently the case
1: as you know and as many americans now know this because i think it's the the second most common cancer for, for men um there's several different treatments you, you have radiation you, you have cryotherapy was what my father had Um, hormone therapy, you you mentioned the testosterone. Um, Why surgery?
2: Well, I looked at all the, uh, and quite honestly, a part of it had to do with my official duties. I had to find uh, one that I was willing to accept the risk of the side effects, but also able to do it within the contours of a tough schedule. I was talking with doctors when I was trying to, uh, at one point they were suggesting a second biopsy, biopsy to be absolutely certain before surgery that they were, Uh, going after the gland in the right way. And I started thinking about the prospects of having to delay the surgery, get another biopsy, putting me into year-end votes, and finally just made a decision that was comfortable to me. A lot of people do the beam therapy uh, that is uh, a treatment that takes about a month of two-hour sessions uh, every day, seven days a week. Uh, The bead uh, therapy, the radiation pellets uh, is another option cryotherapy, high food therapy, which is not authorized in the United States, but in Canada, there's a lot out there. And I think a lot of people need to understand that it's moving at a rapid pace. So I was just talking to someone today, 10 years from now when he'll start need to be tested for PSA, he'll have far more options and probably far fewer side effects.
1: What was your family's reaction to the news?
2: Mine, uh, you know, my wife was, uh, I think, the typical uh, spouse that was very upset and, more so than me, it was uh, when the doctor uh, called me up with the biopsy results. I said, "Okay, now what?" Because I at least knew that if you treat it aggressively, uh, that you had a lot of options. So I was, I was already in. Project mode to figure out how we beat this. But it took my wife and some of my family members a little bit more time.
1: I know family history is such a big deal when it comes to this. Do you, do you know if you had any family history?
2: Yeah, I did. My brother uh, had an elevated PSA when he, and I think at 50 years old. So he had his prostate out at 51. And that was seven years ago, and he has uh, no trace. But um, there is, that triggers a likelihood that uh, my son My nephews may be at higher risk. I'm already telling them, listen to your doctor, but you'll probably want to start PSA testing sooner than most, which is around 50 years old.
1: Doctors feel good about your long-term prognosis?
2: My, uh, when I went in for my post-operative review and to get the catheter out, which was another story all in uh, of itself, but um, he described my pathology report as perfect. and, And what he meant by that was the pathology report was consistent with the biopsy. So the first biopsy really was a good gauge on what they needed to treat. And uh, all of the, uh, the the cancer cells, where they found it, whether or not they uh, they also dissected six lymph nodes, found no evidence that it had metastasized to the uh, lymph nodes. And uh, most other research looks like they, I got it early and contained it.
1: Well, One of the reasons we wanted to do this story, and I think probably the same for you is that for, there's stigma might be a, 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 a might be the wrong word but guys just don't go around talking about their prostates much less prostate. I do <laughs> and just and, ask my staff and oh, you and, and
2: you are you are I mean are you yeah. hoping to take away
1: some of that stigma so that so that men are having these
2: conversations hundred percent look you know I, I've spent a lot of time in behavioral health and removing the stigma for around behavioral health one of the reasons why a lot of people with uh, mental health uh issues do not come forward is because of the stigma. Now this is something that's you know unique to men. There are all kinds of side effects that you may have to deal with short- term or long term. And um, it just seems silly to me to be embarrassed by getting any kind of disease. It'd be like being embarrassed for getting the flu. Um, your mindset has to be to attack it. Uh, the most dangerous thing, and I've had several people contact me after I went public and say, I've finally, You coming out and saying what you did, got my husband back to his primary care position after getting a PSA of eight two years ago. That is really getting up to a potentially dangerous, aggressive cancer. So I said, get the PSA test. It's not like it used to be. You know, they had the digital exam, Yes. not fun. Uh, think Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, this is just a blood test, right? Right. It's a blood test. They take a part of the blood that they do with your annual physical. They take a blood test and they track it over time. If you're at around a two, they're going to monitor it. If you're at a four, five, six, seven, eight, they're probably going to recommend uh, other other options, potentially a biopsy. But there's a there's a lot of uh, there's also a lot of competing literature around the best procedure. And the fact of the matter is, the survivability rate for Radiation therapy and for surgery is very very similar. You just need to take a look at the potential side effects and and, and pick the one that you that's most comfortable for your circumstances.
1: A cancer diagnosis can be life changing for a lot of folks. Has it been life changing for you?
2: <laughs> well, it was life changing the day of the surgery because I had the uh, I had the Da Vinci the robot uh, surgery, which has really become probably the most common now. And I'm telling you, just to do the surgery to have your waistline expand three inches over the course of five hours, uh, and then deal with, uh, you know, put it on I probably put on seven or eight pounds, I got to start working that off, but I can't get active now. So um, but you know, it uh, to me, uh, I viewed I had a medical challenge back in 2007 and uh, was able to beat it back it's the only serious health challenge I'd ever had in my life. And Physically active. I don't uh, was reading today trying to figure out how I can push the envelope on the physical activities all I like to do I want to be jumping out of a plane on my 61st birthday and that's not till August. So I think that'll happen, too
1: Well, George HW Bush was doing it till what, what he was 90 or something. Yeah. So <laughs> you still have 30 more years to do it um, Does it change at all uh, how you view your job and your responsibilities?
2: Um, you know, I don't I don't know. I, I think that um the job that I have gives me the opportunity to increase awareness, uh, but really didn't, you know, I mean, honestly, through uh, through this entire process, you have to keep in mind, I was diagnosed with cancer, pre impeachment and pre insurrection. Um, But the interesting thing was there were several over the course of time that I'd gotten the, uh, the the cancer diagnosis. I mean, there were some days where it may be late in the day where I'd have a conversation that reminded me of uh, the fact that I had cancer. had a lot of other responsibilities to focus on, and this is something that I didn't want it to consume me. I wanted to really make sure that I was reading, talking to a lot of people, and getting a lot of advice. And one of the great things that's come out of this are the number of members who have come up to me who have, some have chosen not to go public, a couple did, uh, sharing stories.
1: Um, finally, I mean, I know they, they, they often say that prostate cancer is something that usually die with, not necessarily die from, but we, I know they estimate about 34,000 people will die from it uh, this year. My father died from it last year. What, what is your message to people who, who might be like, oh, it's prostate cancer. It's treatable. It's not that serious.
2: Well, it's only treatable if you get it treated, and it's only treatable if you get it diagnosed. Um, so. Um, the, you should. The doctors say it's the best cancer you can get if you're going to get one, uh, but it doesn't mean even with my uh, positive pathology report, there's no guarantee that there aren't uh, prostate cancer cells somewhere else in my body. Um, but because we've reduced the risk of it spreading, now it's just a matter of managing it. And so I think uh, you know the real key is just to you know, treat it like any other challenge, confront it, the odds are in your favor. The odds are stacked against you if you ignore it, if you don't seek treatment. No. Um, but if you do, and you just lean into it, uh, even the, the stuff, man, if, if the, uh, <laughs> the seven days after the surgery, no. um, I just look at that as, you know, that, that could be a seven-day investment in a lifetime that won't end as a result of prostate cancer so even if i do have it i believe at this point it's treatable i move on
1: how's everything else in dc
2: uh you know it's moving slow right now i think people i i describe it like what i went through when i was uh, doing large projects at price waterhouse yeah. we're in the storming phase yeah. so the liberals think that they're gonna run roughshod the the far right thinks that they're just gonna say no to everything. And then there are those of us in the middle who hope that we'll make some progress, uh, mainly on the debt, got a lot of work to do on the debt, worried about national security, very worried about Afghanistan. I think that it could potentially... Too quickly? uh, Oh, I I think it could devolve in a matter of months. You know, the estimates are one to three years, but I think you'll see some of the provincial um, uh, outpost of the Afghani government fall. Uh, before Christmas. And I just worry about the mothers and the kids, these young girls have been in school for the first time in their lives and the first time in decades. They're gonna probably take a step back. And I also worry about our, the, the lack of intelligence gathering. We'll have what they call over the horizon intelligence gathering, but the reality is uh, there's no replacement for being there, being embedded. Uh, people forget that that entire 9-11 attack was uh, launched. Out of an area just outside yeah. of Jalalabad, because they were left alone to do what they did. Yeah. So, and the European, I you know I do worry about U.S. national security, but I think our European partners are probably most at risk.
1: I do worry that in the last couple of years we, we've um, I don't want to say take the, our, our eye off the ball, but I feel like as Americans. Uh, I think you all might be doing your job and our military is doing our, their job. I feel like uh, as Americans, we have shifted our focus away from that sort of mentality that we were in for a good 10 years after 9-11. Right. Um, and I feel like we've gone back to the old way of like just
2: sort of going about our lives, not That's, thinking about yeah. that. It's even more concerning if you take a look at, uh, this doesn't get uh, news coverage, but if you just take a look at the trajectory for national uh, defense uh, uh, spending over the next few years, it's frightening.
1: How how less it is, the
2: lower yeah, it is? No. It's, going to be, it's going to be successfully lower. And the reason why that's so important is you have these five-year, 10-year, 15-year major uh, weapons systems and modernization projects that are just going to keep moving to the right at the time that China is uh, compressing their time to value for new uh, yeah. systems. I mean, we've still got a, a qualitative advantage, but the quantity of what they're producing is... Well, we had a public hearing. I mean, they're, they're trying to put a naval base in the eastern, on the Atlantic shore of, uh, of Africa. Why would you do that if you didn't have your sights set on what's on the other side of that ocean?
1: Are you optimistic about um, uh, the tone in Washington getting better at all?
2: Yeah, Yeah. For one, because it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, the reality is on any given day on the Senate floor, you'll see people that the media wanna uh, treat like they're arch rivals trying to destroy each other. They're working together every single day. Um, what has to change is the, uh, the discourse outside of Washington. I mean, if you take a look at the, the way campaigns are run, you take a look at these uh, invisible and invincible uh, personalities on the internet, they're the root cause of the problem. Uh, and that's going to be here forever. I think that's why we have to have just a little bit more accountability because that's that's what's producing, um, I think, the negative impression of Washington. Some members could do a better job of, sure. uh, of not stoking the flames. They probably. end up getting all the headlines,
1: yeah. unfortunately, yeah.
2: Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, I, I was thinking Chris Coons and I were, even during the— uh, the last both impeachments, I was down on the floor talking with floor managers. I'm sure that if people were watching C-SPAN, they probably thought we were arguing over impeachment, yeah. but we were talking about immigration reform and intellectual property reform. Those kind of things are moving every single day. We've got a major bill for toxic exposures that's gonna get out of, the, uh, out of the VA. It's something I've been working on, done on a bipartisan basis, the human rights, uh, Coalition or or I should say caucus that I co-chair with uh, Chris Coons is doing great work just last week Senator Shaheen and I were on the call with Secretary Blinken on our NATO strategy and I'm co-chair of the Senate NATO observer group all that stuff happens every single day Including a lot of pleasant conversations asking about spouses and kids. That's
1: actually reassuring to hear Because yeah, unfortunately we don't always see that. Um, Yeah, I mean
2: if that didn't happen you'd go crazy up there. Yeah, no. And part of
1: it's on us as the media. Hopefully we, we yeah. can do a better job. So maybe things are more functional in D.C. than perhaps we realize. Thanks to the senator for talking openly and frankly about his cancer diagnosis and his prognosis. More Flashpoint after this.
0: Tornadoes the tropical storms. Severe weather is extreme weather. And we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The Firstborn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location.
2: We're in
1: your hand with the WCNC Weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Worn Storm Team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week, Charlotte City Council approved millions of dollars for affordable housing projects here in the Queen City. The 14 projects will be spread across the city. However, if you look at these red dots, hmm, not every part of town will see one, causing a divided house among council. You can see why. WCNC Charlotte's Hunter Signs explains. As many cry out they can't afford to live here, Charlotte leaders are funding some help.
0: Thank
2: you, the motion passes.
0: City Council approving $25 million to go towards 14 affordable housing projects around the city, but six of those would be built in Councilmember Victoria Watlington's district in West Charlotte there's a disproportionate amount of housing projects proposed for District 3, some of which are supported by the community and others which are not. Some council members are worried about packing in affordable housing to certain areas.
1: The benefits serve to, to the development community, particularly as they target the most vulnerable and marginalized areas.
0: There were no proposed affordable housing plans for Districts 6 and 7, the South Charlotte and Ballantyne areas. It's why Watlington voted against two projects proposed for her own district. And we should be considering how each project affects the fabric of our neighborhood. Councilmember Tark Bakari says he wants affordable housing in his South Charlotte district, but there's a problem. The
1: fact of the matter is. On average, in many cases, land prices are 55 times more expensive in in this area, in this part of town. We have to make the decision to say, are those couple hundred houses and the money it would take, given those land costs, is worth, you know, potentially using that same amount of money it would take to do that and get over 20,000 units around town? Hunter Signs reporting for us there. The developers for the projects will now compete for, sta- for state tax breaks. But bottom line here, 500 affordable housing units could be provided with these projects, chipping away at a problem that will likely take more years to solve. We'll flash one after this really desperate.
0: Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the Defenders and asked, where's the money? I
1: know that after you contacted them, things move pretty fast. Just glad we could help you.
0: If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at the defenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte.
1: Welcome back to Flashpoint. North Carolina's booming population has earned us a 14th seat in Congress. That's right, more representation, more power in DC is only a good thing, folks. The game comes after the U.S. Census Bureau released its 2020 census results this week. I posted on social media this week, you think the census doesn't matter? Well, it got us an extra seat in Congress because of our population boom. Meanwhile, this is what's crazy, folks. By a margin of just 26 residents, Minnesota kept its current number of representatives. And in New York, they lost a seat based on being 89 residents under. That is why it is so important. Be counted. It's another 10 years away, the next census, but make sure you are counted. Your neighbors are dependent on you. Come interact with me on Twitter and Facebook if there's something you want us to talk about at Flashpoint. Maybe you have a thought or opinion about the Tom Tillis interview, let us know. We always like to hear from you. Of course, we hope to see you back here next weekend for Flashpoint.